Welcome to Soul Searching here on Gay SA Radio, the program where you and I take a look at all the spiritual matters that matter. I'm Tom Budge. I had the pleasure of bumping into Turby here at the radio station studios. He's a tad older than I am, and it was nice seeing him again. We lived a short distance from each other when I was much, much younger, and it was nice spending a few moments talking to him about life. Neither of us are spring chickens, so it was interesting ferreting out how he was making sense of aging. He knows that I shall be playing a couple of sound clips from our conversation for you here in the show because they are deeply inspiring and serve as a useful reference point for younger men and women. Toby is so very different from many of the other people I've met over the years. I've had many folk come to me for some professional advice to help them deal with their difficulties and experiences around aging. One elderly man recently came to see me because he had sunken into a deep depression after his retirement. He no longer found energy enough to get up off the sofa and get on with living. Life was full of emptiness and procrastination and it had begun to threaten his long-term marriage too. His wife was still very active and had zest for life, whereas he had apparently lost it completely and she was becoming bored with his isolation and lack of enthusiasm. He was merely three years into his retirement, had relatively good health, and there seemed to be no reason for his endless slouching in front of the television, barking orders to the kitchen for another sandwich and a replenishment of his gin and tonic. Prior to retiring, this man held down a very important job as a CEO of a very big company in Johannesburg. He now teetered on the brink of depression and had completely lost his mojo. I've seen this pattern in others before. I know that I'm about to generalize, but this generalization has a ring of truth to it. The wife spends her life engaged in multiple parallel interest streams, such as her career, running a household, raising a family, and maintaining a healthy social network. He has a narrower but perhaps more intense focus in building his career in order to be the best husband and father that he can. He provides well and sometimes slips out with his mates for a little sports activity or for a pint or two watching rugby at the pub. Her activities continue throughout her transition into her more senior years, providing her with continuity as she ages. For him, it is a completely different kettle of fish. He arrives at work on the last Friday of his employment, very much in charge of a large staff complement in a large organization. But by that very afternoon, he's received his long service award, made his final speech, shaken everyone's hand, and retired out of the office for good. Her transition is a slow crossfade. His is an abrupt cutover, more like a switch that flips. She has had ample time to morph into a new rendition of herself. He's lost and is only now forced to redefine himself. As he mulls over things on the Monday morning after his farewell party, He might fantasize over endless games of golf with his mates as he revels in the freedom of reading his newspaper over a cup of coffee in bed. He now has all the time to come and go at leisure, 
Perhaps he looks forward to actively pursuing some of his hobbies and traveling to many of the world's exotic destinations, and this may well happen in the early part of his retirement. There can, however, be awfully long gaps between rounds of golf and the occasional holiday. These intervals can be very lonely and are often devoid of meaning and purpose. For heterosexual men and women, there is usually a socially approved, largely chronological map that guides them through the various phases of life. Boys and girls play childhood games like Doctor Doctor before sexually awakening and experimenting in their adolescence, while parents look on curiously cautious, anxious to make sure that their children come to no harm. Having attained adulthood, heterosexuals are generally well supported socially, and their place and context are well charted from primary education through career advancement into retirement and even as they approach death. There is generally the guarantee of family to fall back on and a sense of legacy embedded in new generations of offspring. Socially acceptable role models are commonplace. They provide ample reference points, like milestones on the journey through life. For gay men and women, no such roadmap exists, and a full commitment to gay sexual identity may take years or even decades as they struggle to overcome the shame and loathing that has been instilled in society's bigoted view of what is considered normal. This is often a huge setback for gay individuals on their journey to and through adulthood. There are some role models, but they are generally iconic figures outside the family. Family and social support from the heterosexual community is rare, leaving gay men and women feeling marginalized and alienated by mainstream society. In a gay world that often holds a fickle bias towards an idealized and sexually provocative youth, there is little surprise when one finds exaggerated levels of fear about aging in this community. These are generally not men and women who have a family to fall back on, and they are commonly without children who can provide a support cushion to fall back on as they age. These men and women often fall victim to what is called internalized ageism, which is the use of typical statements like, no one wants you after 50, and I shouldn't go out because I'm not a kid anymore, and I don't want to be thought of as a dirty old man. People like ourselves, older, are hiding in nursing homes or whatever because they are scared to death. It's incredibly common to go back into the closet again. You just know when they don't want you there. They're so afraid of that they are resisting any kind of medical attention. There's a real distrust of mainstream institutions. Time well. He became much more fearful of people knowing that he was gay there would be a higher degree of sort of alienation and isolation. Just as gay people's internalized homophobia must be eradicated in order to develop a positive gay identity, so must their internalized ageism be eradicated in order to age successfully. Perhaps nowhere is the obsession with beauty and glorification of youth more prevalent than in gay male culture. But aging is also an inescapable fact of life. The roaring hormones of youth have always taken precedence over maturity. 
Do you value your own maturing attractiveness or do you rely on others to affirm it? If you walked into a crowded room and saw yourself standing on the other side, would you be tempted to walk across the room and introduce yourself to the other you, or would you turn your back and meet up with others instead? If you chose to speak to the other you, what qualities do you observe in that person that led you to do this? If, on the other hand, you chose to walk away from the other you, what's so repulsive about the other person that motivated you to do this? Exercises like this quickly reveal how you think about yourself. There's a saying, you cannot truly love another person until you fully love yourself. Like so many of these statements, this is a cliché that is full of wisdom. It's not a narcissistic statement, one of overt self-love, but is instead a statement which implies that your love for another will always be based on neediness unless you feel whole and complete and content within yourself. Negativity and prejudice about yourself is a process that inevitably leads to self-loathing and despair. If you are not sure about yourself and constantly seek the affirmation of others, there may come a time when you might doubt the sincerity of the compliments you get from others. How will you ever know if they are telling you the truth? One of the hardest things to do as a gay person is to deal with invisibility. Suddenly becoming invisible due to aging is a cruel aspect of gay life. Amongst the LGBTI community, visibility is a personal as well as a community struggle. Many young gay men have rigid rules when it comes to dating and can't imagine being seen with anyone outside their own age group. This not only applies to romantic partnerships, but also to potential role models, friends and mentors. It is a very sad reality that some older gay men often become quite reclusive because of this and don't want to be seen. They render themselves invisible. They stop circulating because they don't think they'll be noticed. Many choose to stay at home out of fear of becoming irrelevant and being rejected or ridiculed. It seems to be a prevailing unspoken and unwritten rule that it is crucial to be sexy that gay life is all about sex, and if you're not sexually attractive, that you have no value in the community, that you become invisible and get ignored. So much of gay sexual history can be seen in terms of objectification. Here, ageism reduces an object's value. Before you can expect other men to think of you as something more than just your age, you have to think of yourself as something more than just your age. Avoid sabotaging yourself by projecting rejection long before anyone has rejected you. It takes some guts to reinvent yourself in your midlife and again as you begin to age. Many don't even try because their self-image has been so damaged by growing up in a non-gay world. It may take quite a bit of lateral thinking to explore other dimensions of your being in order to find your new place in your community, but grieving over your youth and attractiveness will only worsen your ability to redefine yourself. A friend and I traveled through Paris many years ago. 
the train pulled up at one of the underground metro stations and a young woman climbed into our carriage. Johan nudged me and whispered, Take a look at that woman over there and notice that despite her obvious poorness, perhaps she even sleeps on the streets, see how stylish she is. For years, Johan and I tried to understand what makes style stylish, but we never really found a satisfactory answer. There are women who have plenty of money to buy the latest fashions and stunning accessories, but most of them run the risk of looking gaudy or kitsch. Money is not the thing that makes style stylish. It's much, much more elusive than that. In the same way that style is elusive, so too is the magical aura carried by some elderly people. It's hard to define precisely what adds this charm. Few elderly people have it. Many never will. It is called grace. No, it's not graceful. That's only part of it. It's much subtler than that. Elderly men and women who are full of grace are attractive in a very, very different way. This attractiveness is not momentary or fleeting. It is long-lasting and endearing. Grace has nothing to do with sexiness. It has nothing to do with health. It is a deep spiritual quality of immense value. The Turby I mentioned bumping into at the radio station studios is none other than Turby Cronier. He needs very little introduction here in South Africa. He is an iconic South African actor who has over a hundred stage roles to his name and who has won some major awards too. He has been a household name for decades, having appeared in early Afrikaans television and in Janice Honeyman's Christmas pantomime shows. Turby is always charming and forthcoming. Turby, what do you think about the youth? It's all about good looks and style, isn't it? The exterior is very And unfortunately, the interior is being very neglected. Are you not worried about life's future? The older I get, the more fascinated I am by life. I just like looking at life. But there's so much fear about a fading exterior. Don't you experience that sometimes? I can't wait for my exterior to fade. (laughs) (laughs) It seems as though there's a timeless inner being that's quite content. Yes. It's an energy, yeah. So you have no fear of the future? No. Uh, I have fear of opening nights in the (laughs) theatre. I still, I can't get over that. I still have butterflies and I have to go to the loo 27 times. (laughs) It's strange that that doesn't go away. Seriously though? No fear of the future? But no, I don't have, one thinks what if um, you don't have enough money to survive? And I go, well, I'll see what happens then and life will still unfold in front of you and manifest in certain ways. Toby, we've been talking about the youth and you've been giving us some of your incredible insight and wisdom. How do we share this with the youth? I think people have got to bump their head themselves. We have to, it's, I don't think it's something you can learn. You know, obviously there are catalysts that, that 
push you in the right direction. But it's it's a life experience. You must have had your fair share of past tragedy. You know, my partner died. Uh, my uh, my mother died. No, how did this happen? My partner's mother died one year. The next year, my mother died, and the next year, my partner died. So I went through quite a bit, you know, at that stage. And I think that was actually wonderful. It was an amazing learning curve for me. Would you ever rewrite your storyline if you could do so? No. No, I think everybody's... If rewriting the storyline implicates kind of... um, being born again and living it all again, I would, but I I wouldn't be me. You know, I'd I'd be someone else with another life. Everybody has his life. So you've got to make of your life the best you can and try and understand it the best you can. What do you think? Is there more after death? I think it only starts then. (laughs) 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 But they say, in Buddhism, they say... uh, life, uh, this human life, and to an extent animal life as well, is the best way to improve your spiritual being. So one mustn't waste it. There's definitely a life with, to some extent, a consciousness as well, because because there, there isn't a concrete reality in afterlife. So it's very harder to... Settle yourself, to earth yourself as it is, to, to be peaceful and quiet. I now quote Shakespeare very loosely when he said that life's a stage and all the people are actors thereon. Yes. So what was the general theme of your play, the purpose of your life? Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to uh, show you my whole life to tell you what it was all about. It's coming to an understanding that everything is one. And um, once you realize that, then the distinction between yourself and other people disappear. When you help other people, you're actually helping yourself. And that, for me, is a a total truth. I, I don't doubt that for any moment. Life is full of adventure and there are many ups and downs, and some of the downs are pretty awful. How do you make sense of this? We, we only understand life through opposites. So if we don't have downs, we won't know what ups are. If we don't know hardship, we won't know what happiness is. We, we only understand life through opposites. So if we don't have downs, we won't know what ups are. If we don't know hardship, we won't know what happiness is. Toby, do you think you've mastered the art of living? Not always, because I I still get caught by unhappiness before opening nights, you know, (laughs) for example. Um, So I I, I still get involved in my life. Whereas sometimes I can look at my life and I think that's the middle line and the stuff that happens above that and what happens below that equals each other out. It's always in balance. 
Life is always in balance if you look very carefully. Life's a little bit like a roller coaster ride with its hectic ups and downs. And one must be careful not to let life frighten you because when you apply the brakes, where do you go then? Yeah, it's a lovely way of describing it. And you, you obviously also can't jump out. <laughs> I suppose one must be careful not to put the brakes on and get stuck in a big depression. Yes. Some people get stuck there and then you need another roller coaster cart to come and push you out, yeah. I suppose, yeah. And that's where we need other people. For me, the up bits, I get involved in them as well, as, as much as I get involved in the bad bits. But for me, euphoria and paradise is in the middle bit where the line is straight, where you don't have ups and downs. That's paradise. That's where Adam and Eve used to live before they ate from the tree of knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil. So I don't need to get up there again. For me, I, I can accept being depressed. There will come a time where I won't be depressed, and that will balance it out again. If I keep to where it's peaceful and quiet, then, then life changes all the time. Thank you so much for your incredible wisdom, Toby. Just one last thing. How did you come upon this peaceful outlook on life? A friend of William said to me, why don't you come meditate with us? We've got a, a group, and it was a, a Zen group. What happened, a teacher from America was speaking at Ikopo in Natal, and there were a group of Joburgers who said, what must we do? We don't have a group or anything. He said, well, you all get together and be a group and meditate regularly, and I'll come and visit you every now and again from America, which they did. And then this friend, Johan Marie, asked me to come meditate with them. And in about, wow, less, less than two months, my life totally turned around. It was the fact that I could talk to people who were like-minded, but nobody said, come and tell me about your problems or anything. It's just, we were just sitting together and having tea together and, and discussing things, you know. And that changed my life. I don't know how it happened. So it's very apparent that developing a wholesome attitude towards aging is not only about survival, but more about thriving. Successful aging means continuing to do what you love to do and never using your age as the only reason for not doing it. It is also about paying more attention to spiritual issues in whichever way you define that. There must be an accepted part of the living process where the quality of life becomes paramount. Toby wisely implies that you should embrace your strengths and your weaknesses and not deny anything about yourself. This means recognizing that the aging process is, in a real sense, the development of a new performance, the creation of a new character in its own life story. You have been listening to Soul Searching here on Gay SA Radio. I welcome your comments and suggestions. You may reach me by email on studio at gaysaradio.co.za and also via the station's social media platforms using the tag GaySARadio. 
This program broadcasts weekly on Sundays at 5 p.m. and is repeated the following Sunday morning at 8 a.m. A podcast of the show is available on the station's website, www.gaysaradio.co.za. I'm Tom Budge. Until next time, goodbye.